It's week 26 of This Week in Film. It's our big six-month anniversary, fellas. Oh, my God. Is that silver? Yep. Yep. The silver <laughs> week anniversary. Uh, the voice you just heard was that of Charlie Chester and making his triumphant return from Europe, Ray Radominki. That's right. Europe. That wasn't Greek at all. No. I don't know any Greek. I was there for two weeks and I still don't know how to say anything. Yeah. What was the most stereotypical thing you did in Greece? That's a good question. Did you stand in front of an old column and get your picture <laughs> taken? Maybe. <laughs> Witty banter. Uh, baklava. Uh, I, I think I blended in. I think I, see, you, you feel like you're blending in, but then everybody knows that you're American. They all like, know, yeah. Without you even well, opening your mouth. You're constantly wearing that American flag t-shirt. <laughs> Draped over no, you. That's the thing. Like Europeans, yeah. you wore your Cole Hamels Phillies jersey. Right. Whole, I actually, trip. We actually saw a guy with a Phillies hat on, and my girlfriend asked him if he was from Philadelphia, and he didn't even speak English. Yeah, <laughs> he was being ironic. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, welcome back. We missed you. We love you. Don't leave me alone with Charlie again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow we went on longer than we did on when you were here. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought the the two shows were great that I that I missed. Oh well, thanks so much. Yeah. The world agrees. <laughs> uh, all right. So Ray, you're right back off the plane. You just finished watching a whole bunch of movies. That's right. Yes. What do you got for us? So uh, yeah, I watched a bunch of movies on the plane. Two long flights. But the one movie that I'm going to talk about today is The Lobster. Mm. That's yes, the Charlie has Carol? seen it. No. Uh, it's directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Yorgos. Is that the proper pronunciation? I have no idea. Okay. That's what I'm going with. All right. Uh, starring Colin Farrell, Rachel Weiss, uh, Jessica Barden, John C. Riley, Ben Winshaw. It's a pretty great cast. However, this movie is absolutely ridiculous <laughs> in every sense of the word. The plot. Uh, is just ridiculous in, in itself. It takes place in a not-too-distant future where people aren't allowed to be single or else they get turned into an animal of their choice. So Colin Farrell plays a man who gets left by his wife. Um, how is that possible? What do you mean? Like how, If they're not allowed to be single, how can she leave him? Well, she left him for another man. Yeah, she oh. traded up. Right, she traded up basically. Oh. So he has forty-five days to find a mate, or else he is turned into an animal of his choice. The animal that he chooses is a lobster, because he likes the sea, <laughs> and because they have a very long life expectancy. And they okay. stay fertile. And they stay fertile for their whole life expectancy, right? Isn't that? Yeah, so so he, so he you've can seen this Charlie. He can get Charlie down seen it, yes. for many many years. <laughs> um yeah, so he has to go stay at this hotel where he is not allowed to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> that's rule number 1. Yeah, that, that's a main rule. <laughs> and yeah, like I said he has 45 days to find a mate or else he's turned into a lobster. Yeah. Okay. Um he can gain extra days by hunting down the people who escape this hotel which they call loners. Every day they go out and they hunt them with tranquilizer guns. And if you catch a loner, you get one extra day added to your stay at the hotel. Hmm. Um, if you do end up finding a mate, you go and move into a hotel room with them for, I forget how long, mm -hmm. uh, two weeks, I think. Yeah. And then if you last that long, you go onto a yacht and you live on the yacht with that mate. 
and a children a child that they give you. So you're like one big happy family. Okay. And then if you pass that test, you get to leave the hotel and go live in regular society with your new mate. Uh, so it's so that they don't lie and just say I'm right. I'm, Colin I'm Farrell this tries this, oh. but fails miserably. Mm-hmm. Colin Farrell, um, scoundrel. So yeah, so he's trying to find a mate. John C. Riley is in there with him. Ben Winshaw's in there with him. The one thing about this movie that I, I I really liked, like the first half hour, forty minutes, is it takes itself completely serious, seriously, mm-hmm. like very deadpan. Like they're acting like this is like. A very serious movie, which makes it funny. Right, like a black, it's a black comedy essentially. Um, but then, uh, this isn't really a spoiler, but he ends up escaping from the hotel midway through the movie, and the movie just takes—I mean, it's already ridiculous as it is—takes a complete left turn, and just got so weird that I it, it just lost me. Oh. Um, but yeah, I think the beginning of it I liked. You know. You're, you're seeing all the different uh, quirks of all these people, uh, the quirks of the hotel that they're staying at. He, he tries to uh, fake like this woman who's, like, very mean. Um, he ha- he's sitting in a hot tub with her, and she fakes that she's uh, choking to death, and he acts like he doesn't care. <laughs> and she uh, kind of thinks that he, she, he's on the same wavelength as her. They move in together into the hotel room, and then she kills his dog— which is what? his which is his brother. His brother got turned oh. into a dog. That was his uh so apparently the dog is like the number one choice of most people to be turned into because Everybody they live a pretty good life. Dog, yeah. yeah. So his his brother is living with him at the hotel, his dog. This woman kills his dog to see if he really is as badass as, as she is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she catches him crying and reports him to the managers and that's when he leaves and escapes and goes with the loners mm. and that's when the movie just takes a weird turn okay um so yeah this movie is just very ridiculous charlie you you would agree with me that it's <sighs> where do i even start yeah <laughs> like it's um i uh, the premise is 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 cool it's quirky yeah. it, it's you know this huge social commentary of like you know like how we should be ashamed. Like society thinks, like it's shameful to be single. Right. You Nobody I mean? should be alone. And it is. Yeah, I'm single. Thanks, guys. Um. So, uh, it's and then on top of that, you know, you get this great cast. Charlie. Um, Charlie is available <laughs> to anyone out there. Yeah. If you've that was seen a subtle way of putting that. If you've seen my sexy picture that Nick <laughs> posts in our videos. Yeah. That's uh Charlie. Yeah. Um. Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and open-minded. So, uh, oh, I guess I am. Um, so, uh, I don't know. Did you think that the the director's direction to the actors was a little strange? I felt like he was going for that Wes Anderson feel. Yes, they, I totally agree with that. Where you go for wooden acting, right. On purpose to be quirky about it. Hate Wes but Anderson I just too. did not oh, think I it worked well here. Yeah, no, I I just think it should have stayed like. The beginning, like I said, the first half hour of the movie I loved, and I feel like it should have stayed with him trying to find someone, and they kind of just throw that out the window midway through the movie and go with this other storyline that I just felt like didn't work. Like, I, I like I was laughing in the, the beginning of it. Like, I thought it was funny. I'm like, this movie's like, uh, this is so ridiculous that it's funny. Yeah. Um, but I just I, I didn't I didn't like the direction they went. So I I kind of liked it to begin with, and I liked the acting. I just I just thought the I thought the script was just weird. It was just it was basically two separate movies in my mind. Yeah. 
So, yeah. Like I don't remember where the turn happens. I feel like it's... It's when he leaves the hotel and he goes and lives with the loners in um, the woods. Yeah, yeah. I Well, you know, like, for me, like, there's still, a, like, this underlining bit of comedy with her trying to, like, fake choke, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, like... Um, when John C. Riley, who yeah, he's is comedic genius, yeah, when they he's the reason you find out what rule number one is that you don't masturbate because of course he's the one <laughs> masturbating, and I'm like, this could be so good, but then it turns when they punish him. I'm like so upset for him that I want to cry, like oh. it's so sad. But now see, now, see, I thought that was funny. <laughs> what does that say about you, right? I, I, don't, I don't know. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> um, what I also thought was hilarious too is when they're in the woods. And, like, the people that get turned into animals, they just banish the animals to the woods. So, like I said, everybody can pick whatever they want. So these people are in the woods, and there's, like, uh, flamingos and, like, camels and, like, ostriches. Like, all kinds of eclectic types of animals that these people picked yeah. to become. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought to myself, I don't know about you guys, if I were to pick somebody, pick an animal to be... I would pick like an eagle or like something that could fly. Like I feel like that'd be pretty cool, right? Yeah, I kind of like the lobster idea because they do live for forever. <laughs> yeah, but you're just like in the water and, and yeah. But I mean, but then maybe people can they'll gra- change. Maybe they'll change the rules later and you can turn back. Yeah, but people can catch you and eat you if you're a lobster. You're highly edible. <laughs> oh, are you still you as an animal, or do you just turn no, into you, that? You're still you. The whole point of you being an animal. <laughs> Is that they say, as a human being, you are love like unlovable. Maybe you have a better chance in another as another species to find love. Right. Um, I, that opening scene I thought was brilliant, where the woman's driving, gets out of her car, and there's two horses in a field, and she just shoots one in the head, and then gets back in the car. <laughs> was it a horse or a cow? Now I it, can't it was. It was a uh, like a donkey. So like, there's so much said in that. You know that that's her ex husband. Right. That uh, she just <laughs> shot in the head. <laughs> But um, who directed it? Uh, oh, now you're going to make me look this guy's oh, name I again. Thought. Well, has he done anything else? Yes, he's done some weird, other weird, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. He did a weird movie called Dog Tooth. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. I've heard it's of it. It's a Greek uh-uh. film. It's strange oh, as well. You saw it on your journey. I did not. Uh, <laughs> I have seen it before, though. Um, but yeah, I mean, this film won the jury prize at the Cannes Film Festival. That blew me away that it, yeah. it won. I, did you think it deserved it? No. No. I mean, I can see how some people, like, some people like this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And just, like, ridiculous, weird. I mean, it's very creative. Like, the story's creative. Mm-hmm. The whole thing looks like a, like, I haven't seen it, but it looks like they're trying to do a Charlie Kaufman and a Wes Anderson movie yes, in one. It has that, it has that feel. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying to you earlier that, um. Like they're trying to go for like a her vibe, like a not too mm-hmm. distant future kind yes. of thing. But I guess they couldn't. Like her was really good at sticking with it. Like her, you're you're on board the whole movie, or like up until the the very end. But it's believable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This movie is just completely ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. They kept talking about like, uh, don't make us turn you into. The most unpopular animal, but they don't say what it is. Do you, what did you think it was? Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't get that either. I was mean, I would pick it. I would think it would be something that could be eaten, definitely. Oh, okay, yeah, like the, a lobster, maybe. Hmm. Because, like, it, the uh, spoiler alert: um, the the woman that kills his dog, he takes her into the uh, chamber right. of transformation, 
Which they never really explain. Well, I kind but, of explain how they do it, but not really. But the next animal you see in the woods is like this big fat pig. So I wasn't sure if they were implying that, that oh, was Oh, yeah. I, I didn't put two and two together there, but you might be right hmm. that that's who she is. Um, and then the, en- the, the ending is just weird in itself, but you'll have to watch it to see. I don't want to spoil that. All right. But well, yeah. Way to go, Ray. You're back in the saddle and you you nailed it. <laughs> if that's how you want to put it, sure. So do you recommend the movie? Yeah. yeah. I, I, de- I recommend it just to, you got, it's one of those movies that you have to see just to, just for how weird and absurd it is. And like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of actors that you know, so it's not like something that's completely out of, out of reach. Right. Um, so it's definitely accessible in that sense, but. Yeah, it's. I mean, maybe you'll like it. I don't know. I, I just thought it was. I thought it was very strange, and I like strange. This was just too strange. Yeah. All right, Charlie. Well, what did you see? Uh, I most, have, what did you see most of this week? Most of uh, I saw. All right, so I had this is kind of a um, segue to last week a little bit, um, a connection, if you will. Your movie had River Phoenix in it yep. last week. Stand by me. So did my movie. Which is strange because there's maybe only like what, like five River Phoenix movies? Don't yeah, there's not maybe. that many. Maybe. Um, so I went back uh, a bit on this one. Um, I think you might have inspired me, like the kids coming of age sort of thing. That's what I do. Yeah. When I when I was a kid um, in the 80s, like uh, my favorite movies were like, you know, E.T., Goonies, Stand By Me, like those, you know, fun sort of um, spin. And there was one that I had seen and i haven't seen it in so freaking long and i couldn't remember if it was going to fall into that category of like if you haven't seen it since you're a kid or if you watch it as an adult and never watch it as a kid does it hold up right sort of thing so i was curious because i didn't remember much of it but uh the explorers is the name of the movie the explorers the explorers um it's uh it's got ethan hawk river phoenix third kid no name. I looked him up and like he hasn't, he never did anything else from there, which was a shame because he was actually a pretty good actor. And these are like eight year old Ethan Hawke. And yeah, these are young, things. like to the point where like you have to do a double take to figure out like who's who. Was this before Stand By Me for River Phoenix? Um, yes. Yeah, because yeah, this, this was 85. 85 and Stand By Me is 88, I want to say. Yeah, Stand By Me, he definitely hit that growth spurt after this because he's still, he's got a baby face in this. So I would assume it's after. Um, so the basic idea of it is uh, the outcasts in elementary school, um, these three kids. And uh, one's like super nerdy. River Phoenix plays a super nerdy kid um, in book smart nerdy. And then Ethan Hawke is like sci-fi nerdy. Um, and he's obsessed with uh, really bad uh, sci-fi films like Forbidden Forbidden Planet, I think, is the one that he's always talking about. So uh, they have a kinship, and then um, River uh, Ethan Hawke keeps talking about this dream, this reoccurring dream he keeps having over and over again, mm-hmm. but he can't remember it completely. Finally, in the middle of the night, he remembers it, and he writes it down, and he draws from his dream uh, a grid. The dream almost looks like Tron, like the way that like he's flying over like this this um this grid so he writes it down draws it and gives it to his buddy river phoenix who is like the you know the science nerdy type guy and he's like this is a circuit board an advanced circuit board so he actually sits down and builds it and when they nerdy kid builds the advanced circuit yeah board. yeah no <laughs> it's you know it's 
movie logic. It right. worked. Um, sure. I'm on board. So uh, he plugs it into like this old school computer, like 1985, whatever the you know computer would have been around then. Um, and when they turn it on, um, it creates a bubble, like a um, a tangible bubble in the middle of the room, and it's got uh, the program automatically has an X Y Z, and it asks for the command. You know, uh, where do you want it to go? Essentially, this bubble. So they type it in, and it like flies through the room. To, and like puts holes in walls. It's like um, uh, it's it's almost unstoppable. I guess is what I'm looking for. Like it, like if you commanded it to tunnel to the center of the Earth, no problem, no friction. Boom, it would just go all the way down. So uh, they're playing around with this thing. It's like flubber, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can scientifically control flubber with uh, commands, like um. Computer commands. So they're, you know, fooling around with it, having a good time. Mine Now you come to find that there's bullies at school. Ethan Hawke has a love yeah. interest. He pines after her, but, like, it, it never will come to fruition sort of thing. He's at, She's out of his league. Uh, so now cut back to them, and they go to a junkyard, and they get an old carnival rides, like, a seat, um, and they fashion it into like a spacecraft just something for them to sit in and the idea is that they they're gonna uh command the bubble to be big enough to surround them and now they can actually fly this thing around um so they have like this little adventure and in the middle of the adventure all of a sudden it gets taken over from some other signal from outside of space and uh now it kind of alludes to the idea that ethan hawk has been getting these dreams from an alien race has been sending him these ideas into his mind so that they can make first contact with them. So they uh, get sucked up into space, they find the spaceship, and they come to find that this alien race is trying to um, communicate with them for the first time. So, like, then we move on to minute four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like, it's great. And I understand, like, why I loved it as a kid because it's got all the makings of. Um, you know, fun adventure, but what it's lacking is it's, and I never would have figured this out when I was a kid. Um, it's lacking, uh, heart, like presence, like, like it's not making any commentary at all because these kids go up there, they meet these aliens, the aliens, you come to find that, um, they are actually kids who stole technology from their parent and we're just having fun. And like, you know, just wanted to, you know, uh, make some playmates down on Earth and have mm -hmm. them come up and play. When, you know, when the parents come in, uh, the alien parent comes in, uh, they pretty much punish the alien kids and say, send your friends back to Earth. And that's about it. You know what I mean? Like, like there, there's nothing, nothing gets accomplished in the story, really. Like, there's no real big, like, you know, like these kids don't learn something amazing and are able to turn their lives around because of it or anything. Right. The one thing that they do do is at the very end, um, as they're ending their adventure in space, uh, the alien kids do them one solid and send the dream, send it the whole adventure as a dream to the girl that Ethan Hawke likes. So now she has been privy to everything they've done mm -hmm. so that when they go back, she's going to have a kinship towards Ethan Hawke. Almost like an icebreaker. In so the a whole way. movie's Inception. It's it's all 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Inspire. This it's, is inspiring. Yes, Inception. The Inception would not exist without the movie Explorers. Right. Um, but like, you know, for me now as an adult, you know, um, I guess a little bit more of a trained eye and stuff, it doesn't have the hero's journey basic idea um, that uh, that ending where everything um, was for a reason. Like these characters, like it almost feels like a like a like a episodic TV show where it's just like um, one episode, throwaway episode. You know, let's move now. What's the next episode going to be about? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It didn't have that. Like I would have liked them to come back, have something happen with this technology where they're like, you know, now they can, you know, they're, they're stronger and more confident. And then they take on the bullies and now they're, you know, they're, they're, they're grown a little bit. Right. You never get any of that. And you don't even feel like these kids had, were on the adventure of a lifetime where they, they're going to come back and be the best of friends ever, forever. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like they had a couple fun days and then that was it. Um, does it hold Roll up? That. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. Uh, uh, does it hold up? Visually, yes, because Industrial Light and Magic uh, were behind it. And I showed... Um, Nick, some of the images um, of the aliens and whatnot. Yeah, the, it looked great. It yeah. looked really good. I'd like to know if it was if it's been remastered or or anything like that because the effects were like the creature effects were fantastic. It looked beautiful. Yeah, for nineteen eighty five. Yeah, it was pretty. Impressive. I'd say even for today. Like I yeah. thought it was CGI at first. Yeah, but not yeah. bad CGI. No, no, it was definitely. Yeah, they definitely did a great job with it. Um, now I came. In a little research, I found um, Joe Dante directed it. Oh, from Gremlins? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did Gremlins uh, the year before this movie, um, then did this movie, um, and then went on to do movies like The Burbs, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love The Burbs. Burbs is great. And uh, a few few others. So th- there's that dark sensibility, mm-hmm. you know, mixed in with like fun family comedy. Yeah. Um, that you know, I, he just became one of the Spielberg boys, I guess, because of probably like m- this movie, probably got him in. What happened to him? Joe Dante went on. Like they forced him to do Gremlins too. Yeah, he did um, Small Soldiers, um, which was kind of like a commercial flop. I liked Small Soldiers. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Small, Small Soldiers was cool. When I was a kid, I uh, that came out when I was young, and I mm-hmm. loved it. Um, I yeah, I thought it was entertaining, but he he just did not have that magic that he had with Gremlins as far as like commercial success. Uh, you know, Burbs maybe maybe with Burbs, but I can't imagine it being a huge hit. At I don't that think time. it was a huge because it was like one of Tom Hanks's first solo, right? Like where he was the lead. Um, but he has it's still a cool movie, but he's had a great career still. I mean, like he's done a lot of TV, an episode of this show, an episode of that show, five episodes of this show. And they're all like fairly big shows. Right. But he hasn't show run anything that I know of. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a cool flick. I'm glad I saw it again, but I wouldn't recommend it. If, if you don't have any nostalgic sensibility to it, um, cause you watched it as a kid, it might be a tough watch, mm. you know, so, unfortunately. All right. Well, this week, I watched the movie Super, um, directed by James Gunn, starring Rain Wilson, Ellen Page, Liv Tyler, and, to my surprise, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon is the bad guy in the movie. In yeah. yeah. Um, this movie was recommended to me by listener Matt. Hi, Matt. Thanks for recommending the movie. <laughs> 
Hello, Matt. And um, but um, so anyway, uh, this is James Gunn's first real feature film. Um, yeah, James Gunn directed the wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy, and he wrote and directed this movie too. And the plot of this movie basically, Rain Wilson plays a weirdo uh, whose wife leaves him for Kevin Bacon. And the Rain Wilson's character, I can't remember the character. Oh, character's name is Frank. And Frank can't handle it. And his mind kind of goes, he kind of goes crazy. Mm. Um, And he has this vision where Nathan Fillion, who plays this, um, like a Jesus superhero. (laughs) Mm. I forget the name of his character. It's like the Jesus Avenger or something like that. uh, Comes to him and tells him that God wants him to become a superhero and to stop all of the evil corruption that's on the earth. Mm-hmm. And Rain Wilson says, okay, I'll do that. And he creates the superhero costume and he creates his own catchphrase, which is shut up crime. <laughs> and and uh, he basically builds, his, puts together a costume um, and then chooses his weapon, which is a pipe wrench, mm-hmm. like a red plumber's pipe wrench. And he says, all right, I'm going to go fight crime. And then he just goes and sits behind a dumpster until crimes happen. And the movie is silly and grotesquely violent Mm -hmm. and great. It was great. Um, The the violence in the movie is so over the top but realistic at the same time that it's this sharp counterpoint to the rest of the movie, which is like a silly comic book movie. Like it's done in the style of the first Spider-Man mm-hmm. movie where where he's drawing his costume and all this stuff, but then all these horrible things are happening around him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he meets up with Ellen Page, who works at this comic book store, and along the way she just becomes his sidekick. And that was the one thing I don't think I liked about the movie was was – Ellen Page's character. I thought Ellen Page did a fine job with with what she was given, but I don't think the character was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can't get into too much detail without going into pretty heavy spoilers. But um, the the movie is just really violent. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, at one point, he's in line to go see a movie, and it's like the line is wrapped around the block, and um, someone cuts in line in front of him and everyone's yelling at the guy to, to get you, no cutsies, you know, you can't cut in line. And the guy who cuts in line tells everyone to F off. I'm not moving. So Frank goes into his car, which is right across the street and changes into his costume, mm-hmm. gets out of the car, walks up to the guy and screams, you don't cut in line and hits him in the head with the pipe wrench and cracks his skull. Like you see his face just break open and he like collapses to the ground and the guy's wife starts screaming and he goes, he looks at the wife and he goes, you cut with him and cracks her across (laughs) the face too. And and then he just runs away because that's what he does whenever he stops a crime because he just hit someone in the head with a pipe wrench is that he has to run away because people will come and beat him up. And, um, but that's just a, a little taste of the movie. It, it, little things like that happen throughout it. it it's it's really good. Um, it's like the violence is is visceral. It's it's got like that. 
uncomfortable B horror film. Don't cut away. Yeah, grotesqueness to it, right? Yeah, the the things that happen to to him and and the people he knows throughout the movie, like when when terrible things happen, you you're you're taken aback. You're just like, wow, oh man, mm-hmm. oh man. And then and then the movie just keeps going from there. Where where this guy, this character is so messed up, he doesn't really understand what's going on around him, and. It's it's really well done. I, I I don't really have that much more to say about it, really. Um, but it's a it's a cool little comic book origin story about a lunatic who puts on a red suit. Yeah. Does he does he have a a name? Oh yeah, they, he calls himself the Crimson Bolt. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of a cool name. He just runs around. Uh, his first his first night out, he goes and and tries to beat up a drug dealer, but can't because he doesn't mm. know how to fight. And then that's when he realizes he needs a weapon. So that, like the next pipe night, wrench. he goes and gets brings the pipe wrench and hits the same dude over the head with the pipe right. wrench. <laughs> you know, like it, it, some parts of it reminded me basic ideas of like um, Kick Ass. Yeah, but yeah, in Kick Ass, the world not only accepts but praises the character for doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. In this one, um, they take a different approach in a way and are basically saying, no, you're a crazy person. Stop yeah. it. You know, There's another plot in the movie where a, there's a cop involved who figures out that Rain Wilson is this guy. And he figures it out and goes to his house to try and, I, I guess, confront him. And... Kevin Bacon's goons are there and they think that the cop is Rain Wilson and that's the only part of the story that isn't answered like this this whole thing happens and then that that whole sequence happens I can't, see it's tough to talk about without spoiling anything but um but they but they don't it doesn't affect the rest of the movie like he goes home later and there's no blood there or anything like that so it was kind of like a throwaway scene, but uh, overall, I would highly recommend checking it out. But be aware that it is really violent in a in a in a really visceral way. Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, so that brings us to the end. So Ray, while you were gone, we had a segment called Charlie's Crazy Conundrum. Yeah, I I, I heard. And, oh, uh, and I I would just like to address something real quickly. Into last week, a lot of people answered uh, the worst sequel of all time. Here we go. There were a lot of answers about uh, Hangover 2 being the worst sequel of all time. Right. Well, I'm here to defend Hangover Part 2. <laughs> oh, my I goodness. think it Never is a fantastic so movie. Right. Calm down. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and the reason why people don't like the movie is because, uh, yeah, it's the exact same movie uh-huh. as the, the original. But... In my opinion, if The Hangover 2 came out by itself, everybody would have loved it. Yeah. It's just that it's the same story, but the jokes are different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I don't I don't disagree. Like, I, I like I like the movie. I, I really like Hangover underst- 2, and there was a lot of responses saying that it was the worst sequel ever, and I just think that's a ridiculous <laughs> statement. So I, I just wanted there to put that There were some people there. who kept saying it. Like they kept, right. That they was kept like, writing in to say, no, I'm really going to go with The Hangover 2. Right. So, I agree to disagree. Or um, just disagree, basically. I, I like the third Hangover movie. Oh, I like no. them all. I think I they're like, all good. I like that they tried to do something crazy different with the third one. Like, they, they went... It, like, it's the same story, but yeah. totally different. You know? I, I like, think they're all good. 
I, so, sorry, I just wanted to get that off my chest. The people, our listeners don't know that Ray wrote The Hangover <laughs> Part 2. <laughs> uh, but last week's question was related to Charlie's movie, Killer Mermaids. And every horror movie gets a sequel anymore. So mm-hmm. we said, what what would be the, the subtitle to Killer Mermaids 2? And we had a lot of responses. Oh, did we? Uh, listener Matt says, Killfin, Killer Mermaid 2, The Killing. All one title. Okay. Uh, Lou says, Killer Mermaid, they're putting the fin in your finished. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> mermaid. Um, and then Judy on Twitter said, Murder Maids is the best. Mm-hmm. And we all, <laughs> it was pretty we good. all agree. Yep. We all agree with that. <laughs> Murder Maids is great. And then she goes on to give us a bunch of different titles that she thought of. Killer Mermaids 2, Sisters Revenge, mm-hmm. question mark. <laughs> Killer Mermaid 2 Ahab's Revenge? Mm-hmm. Question mark. Mm-hmm. Killer Mermaids Kill Some Mo. Oh hell no, like Sharknado. <laughs> I feel like the like shark Sharknado part wasn't part of the title, but just to help you understand the title, basically. Yeah, I guess so. Because I guess the third Sharknado is called Oh Hell No. Oh. Uh and Killer Mermaid to Kill. Like made to kill. And then okay. she and then she makes sure that we get it. No, that I get that one. Yeah, that, that one was, was clever. One. Yeah, that was mermaid to kill. Right. I thought that was pretty good. Nice. All right. Um, so, what will be this week's fan question? Who's gonna Who's gonna? I don't take know. It? Charlie's on a roll. No, here, dude. So maybe let no. Let him we gotta have give it. it back to you, man. I'm willing to give that baton. Um. All right. So uh, this week, going along with the movie that I saw, The Lobster. Um, I already kind of mentioned what my answer would be, but if you were living in this dystopian, dystopian uh, society and you had to pick an animal to turn into, if you do not find a mate, what would it be? Ooh. Knowing that you would still be yourself in your mind. Um, do you get to start out, if you get turned into a dog, are you a puppy? Or are you like your no, age I think, as a dog? No, I think you just like you're just a dog. Oh. Um, and I'm gonna put this out there: you can't pick a dog. Oh, because that's the most dog. obvious answer I think anybody would pick. Okay. This is not a vegetarian society. Also, right? right? You're right. gonna get eaten. Right. So you might There's possibly get eaten if you pick yeah. certain things. So let's say like a pig is your favorite animal. Right. But maybe, we all know that maybe you don't want to be that. We all know that pigs are pigs are filthy animals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Delicious, <laughs> filthy animals. Has to be a whole lot cleaner than that pig from Green Acres. <laughs> um, bacon tastes good. <laughs> um, Sewer right. rat might yeah, taste that's like a great, pumpkin pie. That's a great. That's a great <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna eat the damn thing. <laughs> all right, that's a great question. Uh, so yeah, pick an animal, not a dog though. You can't pick a dog. All right. Um, on to our plug segment, Charlie. I bet you have a comic book you'd like to talk about. Oh, how could you possibly? <laughs> yes. Um, Boy Zero, uh, written by Charles Chester. You can find me on Amazon.com. I have a He's biography. Really <laughs> We're now talking to the third person. <laughs> uh, so it's available uh, in digital, um, uh, all digital platforms, including like iTunes, Comixology, Drive-Thru Comics, um, uh, Barnes and Noble, so on and so forth. But uh, it's only available right now in print by Amazon. But I just heard <gasps> news. Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> uh, 
Diamond. <laughs> Sound effect to be added later. We're going to get flagged now. Um, the biggest comic book distributor in America's name is Diamond Distribution. So you don't get a comic book into a store unless Diamond, uh, distri- Diamond Distribution has it in their monthly newsletter. So the monthly newsletter goes out and comic book stores get this newsletter and they pick what comic books they want to put in their stores, right? So um, that's the only way you really get into brick and mortar. So uh, Caliber just told me that Diamond Distribution is getting Boy Zero Volume 1. No way. Um, come, uh, it'll be available in November wow. um, for purchase. It's time for Christmas. Yeah, baby. Let's get that cash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well, so awesome. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, it'll be available through them, uh, a black and white version of the book, which doesn't hurt the story in any way because it's a horror book and it's a noir. Mm-hmm. Um, so volume one will be that way. But if people really want the color at that point, they can just go to Amazon and, and choose to go color. Or both. I would like to think that they would go both. I but, would imagine you know, Charlie would think you really... It's like the new Mad Max, like the re-release in Fury Road in black and white. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to own both. I think that's a, a really perfect analogy. Yeah. To really uh, understand it. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Ray, do you have any plugs? Uh, I don't have any plugs. Okay. Just happy to be back. Uh, Charlie, if you could let the people know where they could find us. Right here. I'm looking. Find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, YouTube, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter, and this week in film podcast.com. And I'd also like to say if you're listening to us on the podcast radio network right now, thanks for listening. Uh, we'd like to say thank you to the Let's Talk Flicks guys who let in for our show tonight. Uh, if you missed it, you should go back and look them up. They're, it's a really funny show, and they talk a lot about movies because they talk flicks. And um, But if you're looking for us because you love the show, mm-hmm. go to all those places Charlie just said. You can also look for us on Google+. Plus. We're starting to use that more because, like I said last week, Facebook is brutal anymore. Um, but um, I trailed off. Oh, but anyway, uh, the Podcast Radio Network, you can find them on the Crikey app or Podcast Radio Network on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, Just search for them or just podcastradionetwork.net. Just wanted to give them their due diligence because they do so much for us. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, if that is all we got today, I think that's it. If that is the end of the reel... We'll see you next week in film. I didn't think of anything new to say at the end. (laughs) So.